We are podcasters united to condemn the tragic murders of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and many others at the hands of the police. This is a continuation of systemic racism pervasive in our country since its inception, and we are committed to stand against violence in all its forms. We believe to be silent is to be complacent. We believe that black lives matter. We believe that black lives are more important than property. We believe that we have a responsibility to use our platforms to speak out against this injustice whenever and wherever we are witness to it. In creating digital media, we have built audiences that return to hear our voices and we will use our voices to speak up against anti-blackness and police brutality. And we encourage our audiences to be educated, engaged, and to take action. In case you're interested, here are a couple of ways you can participate making a change. You can donate through the George Floyd Fund, Minnesota Freedom Fund, Black Visions Collective, Campaign Zero, Black Lives Matter, Minneapolis NAACP, or sign a petition by texting the word FLOYD to 55156. You can find these websites on our show notes anywhere that you're listening to this podcast. You're listening to Empowerment and All That podcast, your favorite podcast for women's empowerment hosted by Rita Bautista. It's time to be reminded of the authority of your inner goddess and elevate the power within. Are you ready? Welcome back to another episode of Empowerment and All That podcast. I'm your host, Rita Bautista, and today I'm really excited to have Dr. Corinne Devon, an orthodontist in the Navy and also commander, who is joining us today to talk about her core values, specifically drive and how a beautiful woman in the military also becomes Miss Galaxy. Thank you guys for joining me. So I wanted to give you guys a little bit of an update on what I've been up to. 6,000 downloads, over 32 countries, and 40 states in the U.S. of people that have been listening to the podcast. And this has all happened because of you guys. Thank you so much for the support. A lot of you have been asking me how you can actually continue to get involved. Well, I wanted to tell you that I developed a Patreon page. So you can go to patreon.com forward slash empowerment and all that and join the membership for the podcast. And what this membership includes is behind the scenes footage for the podcast episodes that you love and a once a month empowerment circle call. And in that call, I'll have you guys talk to me, give me, ask me questions about the podcast, ask me questions about life in general. And you'll be surrounded with other women who also have that drive to listen to the podcast and relate to the episodes that we're sharing throughout Empowerment and all that. So I wanted to give you guys a big shout out, tell you thank you so much for the continued support and love and let you all know that I'm listening to you. I'm here for you. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Empowerment and all that. All right. So now I'm going to introduce my guest. Thank you, Dr. Corinne. Devin, it's such a pleasure to have you here today. Well, thank you so much for having me, Rita. I love it that we are able to connect oceans apart, continents, countries apart. It really shows you no matter if the world is a pandemic, we still can empower even on Zoom and over a phone call. So thank you. It's truly an honor to be on your podcast. Oh, no problem. You guys, I wanted to let y'all know. So like Corinne actually listens to the podcast. How cool is that? She's already told me all of her favorite episodes and it's always exciting. I, I don't want you guys to think that I ever get too far from the listeners. And also, as you can see, 
bring them on to the show as well. You might be a lucky guest on the show one day on empowerment and all that. Yeah. Keep listening. <laughs> so Corinne, tell me, well, let everybody know, where are you joining us from today? I am actually joining you from Catania, Italy, Sicily. So the little island off the boot is where I'm hailing from. And I'm about seven hours ahead. So I am calling you from the future. <laughs> Tell us what the future looks like. Are we out of this pandemic already? Well, I have to proudly say here in Sicily, uh, this weekend was the first weekend where we were able to venture out a little bit. Um, of course, it's with social distancing. It's wearing masks. I did a couple hikes with my friends. Yesterday, we went to this uh, city that's about an hour away called Milazzo, and we went down to this area called the Pool of Venus, and it was absolutely majestic. So here it is, an enclave of water surrounded by uh, volcanic stone rocks that created a separate pool from the ocean. And it was just nice to be out and about. Um, yes, we kept our distance from people, and we wore masks when we needed to, but it just felt like we could all just sit back and breathe. Um, it was my first time having a gelato in probably about four months. So that was pretty amazing because definitely can't have that every single day. <laughs> oh yeah. I, oh, yes, I know. I've had ice cream in my refrigerator, but I made sure to get those little tiny like cones. They're like I can have one a day as long as it's this small. <laughs> yes. And then, <laughs> yeah. Yes. But yeah, no, things are starting to open up. I'm starting to see patients back at the hospital. I do look like the lunch lady. So um, if anyone asks here, yes, I'm in the military. I'm in the United States Navy. And these are just my views. These are not the Department of Defense views, just to put that out there. But um, it's fantastic. I've missed seeing my patients. It's been four months. Our quarantine started March 9th. So we had a very long, grueling time of where we couldn't go out for a walk unless we were walking to our car to go to work, which for me, I worked every other day at a hospital. So, but I am just grateful for um, how caring people are in Italy, the tenacity, the resilience of the people. And I really look forward letting people get back open and like, giving their economy back here in a country that has truly made me feel like home. Wow. Well, thank you so much for your service. And I know that people say that genuinely, but the thing is, is today's Memorial Day, right? We're recording on Memorial Day. I know. It's so cool. So happy Memorial Day to everyone back in the U.S. It's I it's thank you for the compliments and also thank my patients. They catch my bullet. So they're just as awesome, too. OK, so let me ask you this. In your future, in your present tense, you are your doctor, your or an orthodontist, and you're also this pageant queen. Right. You won Miss Galaxy, which is wow. Yes. Yeah, so I won Miss Galaxy in 2014 and now I'm Miss International. So currently. So, yes juggling two opposite worlds. <laughs> wow. Wow. And so for everybody who's joined us, right, we've had another person who um, also participated in pageants and was in the military. And it just seems like such a huge, two different lives. It's almost like you're superwoman, right? Like you're living as like a doctor in the daytime. And then at night you like put on these ball gowns and you dress up and it's like beautiful pageantry, right? Like how does one balance between those two lives? Well, I will tell you, you're asking a great question because yes, I am going from scrubs to stilettos and two opposite worlds. But what I will tell you is balance for me starts at 4.30 in the morning. That's when I get a workout in, I go to the gym and I train hard. And I will tell you, training for a swimsuit is a lot harder than any military physical fitness test I do. I'm in better shape for pageants than I am the twice a year that I run my mile and a half do a gazillion zips and push-ups. So that's one thing that pageantry has trained me for. And, and let's be honest, in the military, it's our job to be in great physical shape. 
A few other things that where I can definitely tell you where pageantry and the military are so similar is there's a huge sense of camaraderie. You know, in the military, we hear how you don't leave anyone behind, that you look out for your shipmate, you take care of people that are strangers, but because of the military, you treat them like family. I've had that experience in pageants. My very first pageant that I won, I was sent to Iraq on deployment. And every single girl, including the girl that was the first runner up, who I only knew for just two days, sent me and my entire dental team care packages in Iraq. I mean, to find a hobby where women will open up their hearts, their homes, in the same way that I've had the military, I find is such a rare gem. And the other thing is service. I mean, they're all about community service. And in the military, that's what we do. We do humanitarian missions. We go to areas where community service. Here in Italy, I work with public affairs and we go to schools where we do cleanups. Even right now, I am teaching kids via Zoom how to take care of their teeth or what good foods to eat just because they've all been at home, stuck at home without teachers, live teachers, except on Zoom for the last three or four months. So there's a lot of crossover between tradition, service, camaraderie that people kind of forget, but when you unpeel the layers of the pageants and the glitz and the glam, you'll actually will see some remarkable driven woman underneath that. I absolutely love that. I mean, that's obviously with you being the second person who's been in this position on the show, it goes to show you, like, it's not just women who are walking around parading in stilettos on a stage, right? You literally have a hardcore background of you are educated, you are out here serving the world and giving yourself selflessly to the military as well. So it's like you're, you have a full blown person on the other side of just the crown and and not that the crown isn't enough, right? Because anything that a woman decides to do is enough. But I think people have this false narrative in their head of like somebody who's just not who's maybe just like airheaded or somebody who just all they worry about is the vanity portion of it. And it's no, there's, there's just such a whole nother side to all of you that I think is beautiful. And I'm, I'm really excited that I've gotten a chance to showcase that on the show. Oh, well, thank you. I really do appreciate that. And, you know, I, I, I don't disagree with you. You know, there is, you know, I think in every industry and in every hobby, there is definitely, you know, the few apples that fall fall far from the tree. I mean, we all can say, you know, we look at elite athletes, whether college or some of them are just full of themselves. And then there's others that will lay themselves down for their team. And for me, what one of the best things about pageant is just the women I've met. I mean, even right now here in Europe, I've got a director who is, her husband's a foreign service officer in Switzerland. And I've got a sister queen who's Croatia. So we've all been going through this pandemic together, helping each other out, sending each other things just to kind of help us survive. Because as Americans in a foreign country, there's just certain things that are just, they don't come to us easily. We don't speak the native language fully. Um, I speak some Italian, but I'm in Sicily. So they speak Sicilian. So just so you all know, that is a very different language. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just, I, for me, that's what's kept me doing it. And it's what will keep continuing doing it. So for sure. That's awesome. So one of the things that I keep hearing in your voice is just like this foundational passion, right? Everything that you're saying, the way that you're delivering everything, it just sounds like you're full of passion and you just are really excited about everything that you put your heart to. I'm curious, where was this born? Where was this foundation of passion born in you? I would have to say there's a couple areas, but one of the areas, at least for my passion to go into dentistry, started when I was 20. 
Um, my father was a Navy dentist. So just full disclosure, I know I drink the Kool-Aid, but I didn't want to drink the Kool-Aid. <laughs> so I never dreamed that when I was eight years old, that 20 years later, I'd be going to the same place in the world that I would follow in his footsteps. But I remembered volunteering with him and we went to these elementary schools that were, that had a lot of reduced fee lunches where the kids just couldn't get good dental care. And there was this one time we were on the van and this eight-year-old girl walks in and she's nervous. She's trembling. She can't open her mouth. And when she finally does, we see that her first permanent molars, the teeth that she should have for the rest of her adult life were rotted down to the bone. Mm. Gone. And I just couldn't believe that. I was like, this, she's eight. I'm not in an undeveloped country. I'm not in a war zone. I am in my hometown. And this poor kid, she can't eat all the foods us adults want to eat, but we know we shouldn't. She can't laugh and just live a carefree life. And that's really where some of my drive started that I'm like, I want to be a dentist. I, this is not going to happen again on my watch. And so that's just like one example of, of things in life that that's happened to me. Um, pageants kind of came about a little bit later, not to go into too many stories, but when I was in dental school, my second year of dental school, the Miss uh, USA pageant was on. And the second runner up that year was a dental student. And one of my friends was telling me about it. She's like, Brittany, you should do it. I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm five foot three. Those girls look like Victoria's Secret models. And before she even finishes the story, a guy behind me says, oh, Corinne could never do that. I dare her that she could do better. And I just turned around and said, watch me. So here I am at 24 years old, airing my first pageant against all these women who've been doing it since they were three years old. I didn't know what an interview meant. I didn't know what it meant to be judged in a swimsuit or an evening gown or answer questions like world peace, which honestly, in my profession, that would be awesome because I wouldn't have to have <laughs> all my people deploy on me or leave me like in the yeah. middle of their treatment. But yeah, I, I, I did it in my first year. I got first runner up and then I just fell in love with a world that I never dreamed I'd still be doing today. So those are some of the areas you could say some of my passion has come from unlikely sources for sure. That's, that is interesting, right? Because for most people, passion does come from the place where they didn't expect it to come from, right? Your dad, who is a person who was in the military, who brings you into this world and you didn't expect to be in there. And then all of a sudden it's now you're in the military. Now you follow your passion of, of dentistry through the military. And then the pageantry portion of it develops from someone who challenged you in the military. Oh, no, he was in the military. This was dental school. No, he was in the military. Yeah, that's okay. No, dental school was, yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't go into the Navy till after dental school. I was on the scholarship oh. with the Navy in dental school. Yeah. Nice. But yeah, it's, um, I did definitely challenged by the status quo of you can't do this. And I, for me, that was all the motivation I need just to, to do it. So for sure. So I want to know a little bit more about this challenge of the status quo. Where do you think you've gotten that the most in your life? When I was growing up, I was called four eyes. I had those thick bottle top glasses, you know, where your eyes look like they're a thousand times enlarged. I had bangs that went to the back of my head. I was very small in stature and I was a military brat, which meant that we moved every two or three years. So it was really, really hard in a sense growing up that as soon as I felt like a place was becoming home, I was making friends, we would move. 
And it was usually with very little notice. And I didn't really know where we were going until we got there. For me, that is kind of where challenging the status quo for me started because I had to learn at a very young age to really stick up for myself and also to be very self-sufficient and independent. My parents raised my brother and I that no matter where in the world you are, you need to make the most of it, but also not be afraid of who you are and, and not making apologies for it. And so that for me is kind of where challenging has started. And it even was happened to me in college. I was a communications major. I thought I wanted to go into broadcasting and journalism and be the next anchor on e-news. And then I met that little eight-year-old girl and I realized I wanted to be a voice. And I knew if I went to dental school, I could be a better speaker than without that education behind me. And even in college, I had a career counselor. I remembered her and she looked up to me and said, I was crazy. She said, your grades are subpar. Their un- your extracurricular activities are unimpressive. You should just be focused on getting married after college, having a family and doing something just in your field. And guess what? I was the first person in my college to go to dental school right after I graduated in four years. For me, I think it's just, it's cushing all those naysayers and it's really digging down and thinking, okay, what can I do to stand apart? What can I do when I walk into a dental school interview or I have to walk into a military boardroom and I have to be prepared that no matter whatever question they ask me, I can answer it confidently and with certainty. Because to me, that is what challenging the status quo is being a leader and it's doing the tasks that no one wants to do, but you're doing them really, really well. I love that because- as women, we do have these designated roles and the fact that someone at your at such a young age is such an impressionable age were to come to you and tell you, you know what, you should just do X, you should just do the most minimal and just become a parent and get married and X, Y, Z. And then that's your life. The end. Don't ask for more. And you're like, I don't think so. There's more out here. It sounds like every time somebody tells you you can't do something, you don't even just do it. You excel above that. Do you think that that's like the root of your drive? I definitely would say it's definitely up there with the root of my drive. And and by the way, all my friends who are married and have kids and still do this, my hat goes off to you. So just yeah. that's just for me how things worked out. But yeah, I would I would definitely would say it is just because I never felt society or other people should put limits on what you can and can't do. You should decide what you're capable of doing and then surround yourself with the support network to help you get there. I, I always told people, no one is great at everything. Even people who have a natural ability, it only takes them so far. It's putting in the time, the energy, the ability to learn, the ability to be humble and know that, hey, I need to spend more time on this. That really makes you great at something. E- even being a leader in the military, there is so much I am learning and so much I continue to learn. Because let's be honest, you, you don't learn some of these things by just going to school. You learn from life and experience and and working with other people. And sometimes you got to fall down to learn how to pick yourself up. Oh, absolutely. Everyone fails. We all fail all day long. We do. We do. And, you know, I think there's gifts in our failures because the gift is that we, we learn from them. We, not when we always get things right the first time, but it, I think it'll, it really focuses us and it makes us think, okay, how bad do you really want this? You know, is that failure a brick wall that you're climbing over? Is it a a mountain you want to, you know, you want to hike or is it, a job or industry that you're trying to break into. And now you've got to think about it in a different way and be very innovative in the way you go about it. So absolutely, absolutely. So tell me how, how were you when you were a little girl? Like what were the things that 
that you used to do as a child? What were the things that used to excite you? Well, I played the violin for six years. I started when I was four years old. So I had a baby Kawasaki and I, I just remembered music was a way that I would focus. It would almost calm me as a child. I was sad that I had to give it up at one point by no fault of my parents, but we were at a place where we just, I was, we just couldn't keep continuing lessons, but that was a lot of fun. And then also doing karate with my brother. I have such wonderful memories of us doing karate together and then using them. When we were about nine, 10 years old, my dad was stationed in Kaneohe Bay Marine Base in Hawaii. It was Operation Desert Storm. So at that time, a lot of dads were gone from the base. And one of the things I loved going on a military base is how close you became with the kids because all of us were the new kids in school. Everyone had to move every couple of years. So everyone kind of was on that kind of that same foundation, that same stomping ground. Well, one year I took my brother trick-or-treating and because we lived in a military neighborhood, my mom would let us go out by ourselves. So here we are at 10 and seven and we feel like we're king of the world because we get to do something without mom. Well, I remember going across the street and we went through this maze of garage. And I, when I got through it, there was the boogeyman. So when I saw the boogeyman, guess what I did? I kicked it. I punched it. I decked it. I had my brother grab the candy because that's what's important when you're seven, you're 10 years old. You want to make sure you get the good stuff. You get the candy. And we <laughs> ran out of their screen. Next day, my mom told me that I had to apologize to Mr. Johnson across the street. And I told her, I said, no, mom, I, I, I kicked the boogeyman's butt. Mr. Johnson should be thanking me. I didn't know the boogeyman was Mr. Johnson until I saw a black eye in his face. Oh my God. <laughs> so that was how I was as a little kid. I may be small, but I packed a lot of dynamite. <laughs> he was beating up men at a young age. No, I was kidding. Boogeyman, when you're 10 years old, those yeah. things exist. Monsters exist. So, you know, hey, those are the important things. But yes, that, that's, that's probably a glimpse of my childhood for you. Yeah, that makes total sense, right? You get to, you get through a challenge and then there's one obstacle facing you right in before you get to the prize and you just like beat it up and go straight for the candy. I mean, yeah, exactly. <laughs> now that fast forward to where you are now, what do you think were the most important lessons you learned as a child that you still utilize now in your adulthood? I would say thanking people. You sending someone a, I always like to handwrite thank you cards if I can to people or a personalized email if I don't have someone's mailing address. But to me, that's one thing I definitely always learned. My, my parents always said, as you know, never underestimate the power of thank you because let's be honest, when we get a handwritten card or we get an unexpected message about some, how someone appreciates us or how we made a difference in someone's life, that really, it makes us feel good. And let's be honest, our mind can't hold positive, negative thoughts. It can only hold one or the other. So I might as well fill it up with some positive thoughts. Another thing that I would have to say that I've learned from growing up that I apply now is um, to never stop learning, never stop asking for help and, and don't stop asking until you get the help you need. I struggled a lot with test anxiety growing up and it hit me hard in dental school. I mean, so hard that I almost lost my scholarship. I almost lost my dream, everything. And it wasn't until I had a professor who looked out for me. And to this day, I am eternally grateful to her. Her name's Dr. Galbraith. And she helped me work through that. And so many people along the way have become parents to me. And so to me, that I think is something that I learned growing up moving around so much is not only thanking people, but also keeping connected to those people because in a world where we live, where we are so connected to have those true authentic connections 
is really hard to find. And once you have them, you don't want to let them go. I love that you said there's that space of not being afraid to ask for help. How long did it take you to reach out and finally say, I can't do this. I'm going to lose my dream. How long? Because I know for myself, and if I'm not mistaken, and I'm sure there's a lot of people who are listening right now, tend to be those alpha females who think that we can just take on the world. We pivot, we challenge, we X, Y, and Z. But you mentioned you got to this point where you were two seconds away from losing your dream and you asked for help. And it's like, how long did it take you to get there? Like, How long did it take you to see, I need help? I was 22 years old, so it took me 22 years <laughs> to ask for it. Um, yeah, I, I think I, as I, I'm an alpha female too, so I can definitely relate because sometimes you're used to being strong and used to being on and you're not the person who cries. You're not the person who shows weakness. And trust me, being raised in a military family, we were told not to cry ever. Like, I think I've only seen my father cry twice in my entire life to this day. But what I also realized is older I got, you don't want to say you know something and you really don't because people can see through that. And when you're not genuine, it doesn't make you attractive. And I think what I've learned is also when you're humble or when you admit to people, you know what? Hey, listen, I don't know this, but guess what? I want to learn. Can you help me? And I'm willing to do it. You're like, wow, this person is letting me into her world. She wants to learn from me. So in, in some ways you are empowering someone else and they're looking at you with a different set of lens because it's showing that you're approachable, that you're relatable, that you're empathetic, which are all qualities that we admire in some of the most powerful leaders today. I mean, look at Nelson Mandela. He's probably one of the most celebrated leaders in the world. And those are some of the qualities that he has. To me, yes, I was 22. I was struggling. I asked a teacher for help. And I was really glad that she, being a strong alpha female herself, she's, we're going to do this and you got this. And that's where I kind of got nervous and shriveled up. And she gave me an oral exam on the spot. And that's how I learned how to work through my test anxiety. But I guess for me, it's surrounding yourself with other strong females who can also see that in you and help bring that out. And, and listen, there is definitely strength and vulnerability. And when you can show people that you're confidently vulnerable, it makes you more attractive. It makes people want to get to know you. And let's be honest, as an alpha female, we want to surround ourselves with as many of our tribe as we do. Let, if we can attract more people to our network by being that way, that's awesome. I definitely challenge every, all the, everyone in your audience to think that and look at an area of life they're struggling to ask for help and they will be astonished just the help that they'll get from their network or people that they would less likely not think otherwise. Absolutely. I, I agree with you 100%. For me, I over the last year, I didn't realize how much stuff I had really gotten accomplished, right? For all of you guys who've been following me from the beginning, I just made a year in the podcast, literally May of 2019. And what has happened and what's come from that would not have been possible had I not have asked for help. I think one of the things too that I ask you all to give yourselves credit for is every little thing that you do every single day. And the reason why I say this is because when you are a strong person, when you are going at it a thousand miles an hour, maybe you're a mother, maybe you're a stay-at-home mom and, and there's all these things that your kids are doing daily and you feel like maybe there isn't anything that you're accomplishing, but here's the thing, you're developing children daily. That's something, that's a task that is grueling and demanding that you don't have time off as a full-time mom. And the same goes for people who are out here developing their careers and people who are multitasking and multi-development or developing multi-talents at the same time, we don't necessarily give ourselves credit for the little things that happen from point A to point B, right? Those little things 
are the ones that really create the foundation for all of these things. And I just, I guess for me, I just naturally thought people just push through and are just doing so many things regularly until I was in this accelerator program this year to help me um, kickstart and launch the Latina Podcasters Network. Stressing out, I'm having this freak out moment. Do you not see everything that you've done over the last year? If I were to take you and put you in a space and tell every single person that you've come in contact with or every single person that you have, you know, left with a little piece of yourself that really just kind of helped them get a little bit better. If I were to put all of them in a room and tell them that you think that they're not enough, how do you think they would feel? And I'm like, no, no, I didn't say that, right? Like, I never say that they're not enough, but it's like, no, that's how, that's how it is when you don't take into consideration the little accomplishments that you do every single day. It's basically taking every single little person, everything that you've done over the last year, look them in the face and say, you're not enough. Yeah. There's definitely a lot of truth in what you're saying. Amen, sister. Yeah. I 100% agree with you. We take it for granted. We totally take it for granted. But you know, I think it's also part of being like the feminine, right? The woman who is supposed to be the mother, the caregiver, the housekeeper, the teacher, the leader, the nowadays the professional as well. And in some cases at home, some women who, who are the primary caregivers for the household or the primary salary for the house. And we wear so many hats and we forget to give ourselves just that much credit. And like you said, we're afraid to ask for help because we're supposed to just be these perfect figures, right? Like we're supposed to just be perfect. We have to give ourselves credit too. Yeah. I, one thing I've definitely learned from a lot of great books I've read and podcasts I listen to, it's really great to be a woman right now. Let's be honest. I even think sometimes my buddies that are guys almost don't know how to act in this age of women who do it all. One thing I've learned is like, you can do it all, just not all at once. Kind of like if I when I go back to the States, I love going to In-N-Out Burger. That's one of the things I miss is like a really good hamburger. I can have the burger, but I just can't have the milkshake and fries also together with it at the same time. It's not good for my waistline, but there's there's something to be said by that. And it's, and it's okay asking for help. And I think when women, strong women admit that they need help or they have a nanny or they have someone so they can do something, I think that's great. It, sh it makes them human and real. And let's be let's be honest, Perfect can be boring. I want someone who's real, who gets me, who understands if, if a child is screaming three years old in the supermarket causing a scene and you're just like, I don't have a three-year-old, but I feel so much for that mom right now. I, I think there's a there's a lot to be said in that. I, by the way, I commend all my friends who are moms right now who are working from home and homeschooling. You guys are the real superheroes to me right now. I don't know how y'all do it. <laughs> Right. I just want to, I want to piggyback off of what Corinne just said, but yeah, absolutely. To all the moms who are listening to us, who've turned into teachers and at, on top of everything else, my God, you guys deserve, this should be the nurses, doctors, and everyone, they should get a massive award. And then the mothers who had to be the stay at home teachers and moms and everything else, y'all should get an award just as big because I don't know how you do it, guys. I just have my dog and he drives me crazy. And I can't even imagine. That's just an animal. Like children who are asking you and talking to you and and then you have to teach them and all these things. It's, yeah, you guys deserve a massive award. And if there are men who are listening to me who are husbands, oh, appreciate your wives. Put them on bigger pedestals than they're on now because they deserve that and much more for everything that they do. Absolutely. Well, Corinne, let me ask you another question, right? Our listeners, women between, majority of them are women between the ages of 22 and 45. Okay, so they live all around the world. 
majority in the U.S., but we do have international listenership, which is really exciting. Um, and now hopefully in Sicily too, right? But if it was one thing that you could walk away from this episode and know that you left your little seed, you planted your seed with all these women, what would you want them to take away from this episode? I would want them to think about something in their life that they really want to achieve. Something they maybe put on the back burner, maybe something that someone told them that they couldn't do when they believed it, or they never felt like they had the right tools or the right people. And I want them to think about that and write it down. Put it on a post-it note, put it on a vision board, put it on your phone, something that you look at every single day. Because when you look at something every single day, it'll become important to you. It'll become a priority to you to eventually, then you're starting to think about what can I do to get there? What can I do to make this happen? What steps can I break it down? Because let's be honest, I didn't wake up one day and became an orthodontist. I didn't wake up one day and become a commander in Navy. It was a series of steps. It was a series of many people who were mentored to me, coached me, trained me, took a chance on me that helped get me there. And with anything great in life, it, it doesn't come easy. I mean, let's be honest, greatness comes from outside your comfort zones. So to me, think about that one thing and, and, and take that as from a small five foot three petite girl who was told that she would never amount anything and join a military and get to a rank that only 0.29% of entire females in the Navy make. I still can't believe I'm this rank, by the way. I don't feel like I look like a commander, but what I'm telling you is that if a Malibu Barbie, that was my nickname, it's still my nickname, can actually do this. You can too. And there's nothing stopping you except for yourself. Be your biggest cheerleader. Go out there, make it happen and do it because you are truly unstoppable. That is amazing. And I love that you said that because it's absolutely true. The entire thing, plus what you said at the end about challenging and we're being the ones who block ourselves from those things. It's like, if you have that strength in your drive, then you'll know you have to move past your BS, right? And so- Absolutely. Have you ever gotten to a point where you've gotten in your own way? Oh, yeah. Where that, where that's, where that one time you blocked yourself from, from your blessings and it kind of just like halted the drive to push you forward. Oh, this is going to be a great, this is not going to be as impressive example as the becoming a um, working my way in the military, but it's cooking, believe it or not. Actually <laughs> cooking. I know you're, you're, everyone in the podcast is like cooking. Yes. So let me preface it that my father, besides being a dentist, almost went to culinary school. He's a fantastic chef. My mother, the same way. And so was my brother. So as growing up, I could escape my way of helping out the kitchen because I loved helping out the end. Now, fast forward where I am in Italy where there is pasta and pizza and wine and gelato and it's everywhere. And I've got to train to be in phenomenal shape for the military, to be in great shape for these pageants. And I can't eat any of it. <laughs> and I don't have meal prep services. You know, I don't, I can't do any of that. So guess what? I learned to cook and I was fighting it hard. And now I didn't know, want to learn how to cut vegetables. I had tools that were outdated and guess what? I have fallen in love with it. I have the best ingredients here in the world in Italy. I don't even use dressing on my salad because a tomato and lettuce, I never knew that they could taste the way they taste here because everything is organic. And by the way, if you all come to Italy, if you have any milk allergies, guess what, or gluten allergies, you can eat everything here. I'm telling you, 
There's no thou's ingredients in the pasta or the milk. Literally all my friends who come over here with those allergies come here and they eat everything and then they don't want to go back because the food taste just is not the same. Yes, cooking. And during quarantine, my new thing I got into was baking, baking really healthy treats. And so I did not eat them all. I would bring them to my hospital and pass out banana bread or protein pancakes or chocolate chip cookie dough balls that I made with protein powder. So yes, cooking got in my way. But once I did it and I got into it, I, I felt better. My skin looked better. And it's just so funny, something so simple that all of you are probably laughing. You're like, I learned this when I was a kid. It took me in my 30s to get to this place. So yes, cooking. <laughs> cooking was her block of her drive, you guys. <laughs> And you know what? That's the thing. Okay, so it was cooking for you. It was cooking for somebody. I know mine is laundry. I hate laundry. Oh my God. It's laundry, but it's also, I mean, I also have this weird thing where like there are moments where I could be going a thousand miles an hour and everything's going great. And then all of a sudden I just exhaust out and I slow down and it's almost like to a screeching halt. And figuring out how to get past that part. It's like, how do you get past that mental block? It's kind of like what you were saying with the food. It's, if I don't do this, nobody else can do it for me. There's no meal prep service out there for you. And then once you were able to move past that space, now you know you have great ingredients, you're falling in love with something that's brand new to you. And now you're even sharing that with, with the world, right? I think it's really, it's really telling. It doesn't, it doesn't necessarily just have to be food. And if it is something like that, look at the benefits that you can get from moving past that and continuing on with the journey, pushing yourself and, and letting that drive continue to just kind of, it's like a wave, right? Like it's that wave that just pushes you through into the ocean and then you see the everything else that was out there. So now Corinne's also going to be putting out a cookbook. <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. I, I by, by all means, I'm getting corrected left and right from all my friends, but you know, it's fun. I, you know what I would tell is that it's another way to bond and, and living in a country that is surrounded by food. I, and I'm a social person. If you all can tell by how much I'm talking is I found it's a great way to entertain. It's a great way to connect with others. And when, let's be honest, when someone brings food to work, that person is like your best friend for the day. Or when they bring in one of your, your favorite recipes and you maybe forgot something, oh my gosh, you're your savior. Cause let's be honest, someone who knows how to cook, they, you're going to always want to go to your house. You're always going to want to meet up with them because you know you're going to leave with your heart and your stomach very pleasantly full. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes, I absolutely agree. Well, this has been such an awesome pleasure to have you on the show, but I always like to close the show off now with one question. And I think this tends to be pretty, I like to see like the different dynamic of what people have inside of themselves. And it always comes out with this question. If, if you were to walk outside today and someone told you that you had $10 million in your bank account, how would you spend it? Gosh, well, the professional person in me is I would go to my accountant and find out how I could donate as much of it legally without getting myself in trouble with the IRS, actually. Mm -hmm. Um, I would have to say there is, there's so many things I'd love to do with that. I, for starters, I really believe in the form of higher education. If that, fund, if that can mean that I could help out my nephew, if that means that I could put it in a fund to help out people get um, the scholarships that they need to go to a higher degree, that would probably be the one place that I would want to put that money in some sort of foundation 
where that 10 million could possibly grow. And then over time, as it pays out dividends to people who go to school, um, it could help them serve out more. So it could be something that could continue and long lasting. And I say that because I was on the scholarship. I was on a scholarship had my dental school paid for. Most people don't know, but dental school in the US is incredibly expensive. Most of my colleagues graduate anywhere between 350 to a million dollars in debt, depending on the school they go to. It is expensive. Wow. Um, so to, you know, and I was grateful that I, I, I got the scholarship in the military and they paid for it and I'm proud to serve and I continue to serve. But, you know, I know sometimes the military isn't for everyone. And wouldn't it be a great way to have something that leaves that financial burden where they can truly be 100% focused on their education and becoming the best teacher, the best doctor, the best lawyer, the best, you name it, entrepreneur for their future business someday. And so that would be one way that I would um, definitely go about it. Wow. I love that. And the fact that you shed light on the, how expensive education is, oh my God, a million dollars in debt. So now you know, guys, why our insurance doesn't necessarily cover everything when we go to the dental office. Oh, man, you make me not feel so bad anymore. You make me feel bad for like complaining every time I go to the dentist for how expensive it is. But now it makes total sense. Yeah, yeah. So, wow. Yeah, hats off to all my friends who are graduating right now. All my friends who are in practices right now. I know you are itching for things to open back up because it's it's expensive. I get it. And right now I have Uncle Sam paying the bill, but I can only imagine being a uh, entrepreneur running an office. Yeah, a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for that insight. I really appreciated having you on today. And I encourage everyone who's listening today to, to take what Corinne said and take it into consideration, right? Make sure that when it comes down to drive, that you're looking to also move past those roadblocks as simple or as big as they may be. And also look towards your foundation. What are those things that you can take with you along the way in your journey of life? And then make sure to thank all your orthodontists and your dentists out there, guys. <laughs> yes, and we can understand you, by the way, when we ask you questions and our hands in your mouth, just so y'all know, we, we can understand you. We learn very quickly in dental school how to, how to do that very easily. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Well, it was such a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much for joining me on Empowerment and all that podcast. The pleasure is all mine. Thank you so much and have a wonderful rest of the day. You too. Thanks for tuning in to Empowerment and All That podcast with your host, Rita Bautista. Want to help me grow the listener tribe? Make sure to subscribe to this podcast and follow us on Instagram and Facebook under Empowerment and All That. And remember, keep it positive or don't keep it at all.